and Bibles. And uh, from 1908 to 2001 uh, was the first billion. From 2001 to 2015, the second billion. The Bible says in the last days God will do a quick work. So if in 14 years God has produced those other, nine, those other billion Bibles, I think something's happening in the earth. Amen? And uh, praise the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to ask you just to take a moment and uh, reach in your pocket and do something that would just give. $1.25 buys one Bible. $5 buys four New Testament. You could do something small. Let's give an offering for them. The ushers are coming, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to let them do that. And while they're receiving the offering, I'm going to start preaching because my hour's down to 20 minutes. <laughs> Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you. Lord, you ordained that we would be able to be a people of significant impact. And Father, there is no way to fathom the impact that your word has as it multiplies through people and through the generations. And Father, we thank you today that we can take something from our hands and place it into this great resource that will get your word into untold numerous lives around this world we pray and we bless the gideons today and we give to this ministry in jesus name everybody said amen, amen. praise the lord amen go ahead ushers and when you're ready you can do that and while you're doing that i'm going to ask you to open your bibles up to luke chapter 8 and i'm going to give you the introduction of a series we're going to carry through until september 20th for the next few weeks september 20th uh, and uh, will be our Christmas service, and uh, we're planning to have a great special service with our kids and young people involved for Christmas. We'll have some more information on that, but uh, uh, up until then, I want to talk to you about living a life of significance, and through the holiday season, we don't think about it much, but really the things we separa- uh, celebrate are connected to people's lives that were lived with significance. How many understand that? Jesus lived the most significant life of any person on earth. And there's a difference between being successful and being significant. And so, I don't know about you, but I want my life to matter for something of significance. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you that in these next few moments as we open your word, Lord, that by your spirit you will come, you will speak a word that will encourage each and every one of us, that will help us to see that you literally ordained our lives to be lives that have impact, that make a difference, that have generational effect, Father. We thank you today for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, and we thank you for your truth, alive and working in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. And just before I dive into this, Lauren did not share, but he's been doing this for 38 years for the Gideons now. And they retired 10 years ago. They live in Cameron Park. They're our neighbors and our friends here. And uh, thank you, sir, for so graciously being with us and sharing. Amen. I can identify with you. I also have CRD, which is Caucasian Rhythm Disorder. <laughs> and, uh, but I found out if you just keep moving, people think you actually know how to do something. Praise the Lord. So, uh, amen. Luke chapter 8 and verse 26 
It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons have entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now I heard of many swine was feeding there on a mountain, and they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Verse 35. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons, from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Verse 37, Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons have departed begged him, Jesus, that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Look at the cover of your outline, if you would, please. What if there was a way for us for you to do more with your life? What if you found out that you actually have enough in your hand right now to live a life of significance? Where you are, what you have, whatever station, whatever you possess, you have more than enough right now to live a life of significance. Think about it like this. What if you move today and you say, well, all I have is $1.25, but I could give that $1.25. And that $1.25 goes and it reaches one person in one nation who answers the call of God to preach the gospel. Will you not being hindered by lack, but believing that God has significance for your life wherever you are, that one person could preach the gospel and by $1.25 reaching one person, you could possibly reach a nation through $1.25. 25 cents but because we're told you have to have more we think with an american mindset instead of with a god-minded concept we limit ourselves but what if you had enough in your hand right now to live a life of significance what if there was a fail-proof way to secure your life your money and your time from the devil and his devices to destroy them the only way to devil proof your life is to live a life for live life for great something greater than yourself and to keep your focus on someone other than yourself you need to understand that every temptation the devil brings is connected to you thinking about you 
in the garden, the devil said, hey, look at the tree. It will taste good to you. Look what it will do. It will make you wise. And so every temptation comes with you looking at yourself and considering the benefit that it brings to yourself. And that's how we give in and how he gains the victory. Because the devil is the master of confinement and restriction in our life. He knows full well that God has purpose for every life, and that purpose is connected to destroying his influence and reign in the earth. Because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to set captives free, and release us to our purpose and potential in him. Hallelujah. But let me ask you this. What if we were willing to start a new trend? What if we just here at Solid Rock Face Center, what if we said, hey, let's start a new trend? You say, what would that trend be? The trend would be this that we would not sit around waiting any longer for instructions from God. But we would begin to move. Jesus didn't wait. He moved. He went first. God is waiting for us to move, and we're waiting for Him to move. In the school of divine guidance, there are two thoughts. As soon as God shows me what to do, I will move. As soon as God gives me direction, I will move. The second thought is, I'm going to move and believe that God will guide me. Amen. You know what? And Nassau has a great uh, uh, a guidance system for all of our rockets and all of our missiles. They set them out there on those platforms. They're ready to go. But they do not engage the guidance system until the rocket blasts off. The guys up there in the control room are sitting there playing with joysticks and going, man, look, at I'm really doing something right now. You can't guide a rocket until it's launched. You're going to go out this afternoon after service. You're going to get in your car, and you can sit there all you want and grab the steering wheel and make all the noises you want, but you're going nowhere. How many of you kids, you sat behind the car, you sat there, man, we were going to, but you're going nowhere. You're just imagining that you are. Unfortunately, that defines most of Christian life and experience in people. And we're just sitting in church going, ah, ah, ah. All right, don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good this morning. Hallelujah. But hear me this morning. We have no need for direction until we are moving. The question is, what is in your hand now? What is the need in front of you now? Over the earth, you can't imagine how many people come to me, and they've had dreams and visions of God showing them great things to do. I tell them this. I said, I don't think it'll happen. I said, why? Because you're not willing to do what's right in front of you now. You want the dream of the great thing, but the dream of the great thing usually comes through the small thing that's before you right now. Until you're willing to move to the small thing that's in front of you right now. Until you're willing to show up on a Thursday night and just help a homeless person have a safe and secure place to do. Until you're willing to teach a child to do something. God's not going to set you before a multitude. He's not going to open up nations to you because it's what's in your hand right now. It's what's before you right now that shapes your character, that patterns you and molds you and conditions you for the thing that God has for you down the road. If you read the life of Joseph, Joseph said, hey, I have a vision of greatness. I'm going to be a great leader. But Joseph had no idea that it meant that he would have to be rejected by his family, be thrown into a pit, be sold into slavery, and then have the blessing of God upon his life, and then be accused of being a liar and, and, and misappropriating resources and that, and then and, and taking advantage of his, of his boss's wife, and then thrown into prison, and then being forgotten and rejected, until God finally brought him out on the other side. But the purpose was he was faithful everywhere he went. And if you can't be faithful where you are and working towards that, the vision of greatness will probably never come to pass. So I submit to you that it's time for us to be free and in our right minds. I believe that as a nation it's time for us to be free and have some politicians in their right minds. 
Jesus comes to meet us where we are. He breaks the yoke of bondage off of our lives and sends us out to fulfill our God-ordained purpose. I read that story about the man from the tombs of Gadara because I don't want to just focus on his deliverance. I want to focus on the life of significance that he lived after one encounter with Jesus. Think about it this morning. The man in the tombs was in a place of restriction. His life was out of his control. And too many are living there today restricted and with no control over their life. It's too easy for us to excuse and overlook the controlling influence of the enemy that keeps us confined in living in the tombs of this world. How? By believing what he knows is not true. How many have ever had your children lie to you? Parents, you ever had a child lie to you? How many of his kids lied to your parents? What were you trying to do? You were trying to get them to believe what you knew was not true. And that's what the devil does. He wants us to believe what he knows is not true. And he can keep us locked up and confined in the tombs of the world. The devil is the master marketer of deception, discouragement, disillusionment, and despair. He keeps people bound by their past, lost in their present, and cut off from their future. But Jesus comes to the place where we're being held in bondage. I, think, I don't think Jesus ever had an accident. When you're being led by God and you're under divine guidance, you don't just show up someplace unexpectedly. The boat didn't just land there by accident they didn't just get off at that place next to that tomb and where that man was in bondage I believe everything that happened Jesus didn't show up at the well in Samaria by accident it was the divine ordained moment think about it but he comes to the place where we're being held in bondage he meets us at the point of our need and what does he do he brings deliverance healing and restoration to our lives he does a complete work that is evident and can be seen by others and when you read that account that's what happened this man and people come out they see him sitting and in his right mind what does he do he heals he delivers and he restores but he doesn't stop there he then sends us with nothing more than what he has done for us today we bought into the lie of the devil you ask somebody to go be a witness for the Lord say well I don't know any scripture I don't know what I would say to somebody think about this young man here he is there he went from being naked from being tortured and from being despised by everybody around him to being healed to being clothed and sitting in his right mind and he says to Jesus Jesus I want to go with you like many of us we love the presence of God we want to stay with Jesus I just want to be in a Jesus meeting I just want to be in the presence of God and Jesus said you can't be with me go home and tell everybody Everybody, what I have done for you. Man, if God could ever kick us out, we could see revival in our nation. Think about it. So he sends this man out with nothing more than what he has done for him. So my question is, is it possible that a person can be so transformed by the saving grace of God that he can have an influence on an entire region just like this man did. If you go to Mark chapter 6, you can read the same account. It says that when Jesus came back into that region of ten cities, that people from the whole region, the people who had commanded him to leave, who told him get out of here, who were in fear, out of one man's testimony, one man's witness of the great things that God had done in his life, a whole region now receives him. That's a life of significance. And that's your life. That's God's will for every person's life in this building. We think, oh, well, how do I have that? Where does that start? How do you reach a region? You start telling one person at a time. While you're at the checkout counter, don't be afraid. Come on, God will give you creative ideas. I love doing it. This is a great season. When you go to the store this afternoon, next time you buy something, say, hey, how you doing? Use this line. It's the most fun. 
They say, hey, how you doing? Say, wonderfully well. Man, I was just in church worshiping God. I'm saved. I'm born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. On my way to heaven, how you doing? <laughs> Amen. I did that several years ago at Bel Air, and the checkout, pa- pa- Paul, the, the guy that I, that, that's there, and uh, the lady comes up behind me, and I'm walking away. We're talking, oh, man, that's awesome. And the lady came up behind me, and he asked her how she's doing, and, and I'm grabbing my stuff, walking away. He goes, hey. She's not going. <laughs> that was hilarious. Amen. But just that, so somebody, just telling somebody, being bold, uh, and sometimes you think, hey, what is that? But somebody knows. Most people have some type of connection somewhere. We, we've had people that have no connection, have never heard the gospel, but some people just need to be reminded. There's been other times when you're just, uh, we was on the golf course playing with a friend over in Fairfield a few weeks, uh, a couple months ago, and this friend of ours wanted me to come over and we've been trying to get together for years and if we're standing there some of the locals that play Rancho Solano all the time they come up they're going really fast these two guys and, and that and so we're just having fun hitting our balls everywhere but where they should be maybe <laughs> and so they come behind and so while they're getting up there I go hey man how are you guys doing and I just grab somebody's hands when's the last time somebody told you God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son you could believe on him and have everlasting life Oh, man, I know. I need, oh man, I need to straighten my life out. I know. <laughs> Amen. But just, just enough. Just, you, you don't have to know. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to, Jesus didn't, didn't just tell this young man, hey, you need to go sit down. You need to be taught. You need to be able to quote five chapters of everything. You need to go memorize the Torah. You need to go, he didn't say that. Just go tell somebody what great things God has done for you. Be bold enough. Just pray for somebody. You see somebody agonizing, pray. Go out and help somebody. Be a blessing to somebody. Open a door for somebody. Do something that would engage a conversation where you could tell somebody what great things God has done. And that'll go to one person, to the next person, to the next. Let me ask you this. What if we lost the pride and the excuses and just came and fell at his feet and worshipped him? What if we no longer bought into the acceptable limitations that the devil has sown into the church? All the reasons we can't tell somebody. What if we allowed Christ to so transform our lives that it became evident to those around us? What if we found the courage and the boldness to leave the tomb and begin to tell others what Christ had done for us? What if we became tired of being bound by our past, lost in our present, and robbed of our future? What if? We just rose up and said, this would be a great time to brag on the Lord. Hear me this morning. The one who lifts the burdens and destroys the yoke is in the house today. If you're here today and you're tormented by anything, Jesus will set you free. He's here today to set you free. You can walk out of this building this morning with the testimony of the great thing that God has done in your life. Our neighbors in our world are in desperate need of his love. And a helping hand. It is my belief that the world needs God's love. And we are sent to tell them. How many know that there's people in Paris. That could have used the gospel. Before Friday night. Amen. Hundreds of people. I mean over, over 120 people. That were actually killed. They said now over 99 are critically wounded in the hospital. May not recover from their gunshot wounds. And over 300 were actually, sh- uh, were actually wounded. And in the hospitals. A hundred of those may not survive. But how many know that they're on the verge? And every day there are people in Jordan at the same, the day before in Jordan, there was a suicide bomber that blew up 200 people in Jordan. That didn't make the news for some reason. But in Paris, the worst attack on the shores of Paris since World War II. 
And so none of those people, when I go out to a restaurant with my wife, I, I'm not expecting not to come home. I'm not expecting to drive by shooting. But you have to be ready for a suddenly. There are people all around us. You've had the experience. I've had the experience where people and associations that we have suddenly, their life is at an end. And we wish we would have had the gut to live a life of significance and tell them about the love of God. We need to have that boldness more so than ever. I believe there's a reason, as I said it earlier, why the Gideon, why is it multiplied in 14 years to get the word out? Because as I said, the Bible says in the last day, God will do a quick work. And God is trying to get the gospel out. And we're being set up for the return of the Lord. You stay here if you want. I'm a rapture man. I'm going out in the first load. You can send me postcards if you want to hang out. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> I practiced before I hurt my Achilles. I could jump better. Amen. Oh, gosh, I need to stay on my left. I, I saw that Mark Lowry video. He talked about the Baptist preacher. We were all big preachers. We wanted to give the Lord a challenge in the rapture. Go ahead. Try to get us out of here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So think about it. Hear me this morning. You were created to be significant. Just look at your neighbor and tell him that. You were created to be significant. We've been lied to. and You've been lied. Everybody, listen to me. You've been lied to. You were created by God to be significant. When you study creation, when you study the insect, when you get down into cellular studies and you get down in microbiology and you find every atom, every cell, every the most intrinsic, they have significance. What in the world would make you that's created in His image ever be insignificant? It is an impossibility for any life, for any man to be insignificant. You were created to be significant, not to live in the tombs of this world, yoked with the bondage of the devil's lie. Think about it. Jesus came and identified with our brokenness, our wounds, and our afflictions, that he might heal and restore us to real life, and then sent us to tell others what great things he has done for you. Think about it. And, and, and I shared it. Luke, can you put up that quote if you were able to get it? Leo Calvin Rawson said this. He says, where was it ever promised us that life on this earth can be easy, free from conflict and uncertainty, devoid of anguish and wonder and pain? The purpose of life is to matter, to be productive, to have it make some difference that you lived it all. And God empowered you for your life to make a difference, to have significance. If you just touch one person, you may only touch that one person. Maybe you lead one person to the Lord your whole life. But what if it's a man at the tombs of Gadara and he leaves that place and he goes and what's on the inside of him the assignment in him is to reach a whole reason what if God has an encounter for you with the woman at the well who just needs somebody to believe in her again when everybody is accusing her because of the failures of her life and the consequences of the circumstances that she's been through has nothing to do but just looks at her with glazing glances of discouraging despair and she's hiding in the middle of the day and one person comes in contact with one woman at a well and a city is reached one person your life has great significance to God everything we celebrate for Thanksgiving our founding fathers in the nation that we live in is because there was a day when people who believed that their lives could matter for something formed a great nation 
How you doing all right? So we'll have Thanksgiving and we'll remember the sacrifice and we remember the goodness and the things that people placed on the line, the lives they placed on the line for our freedoms and for our liberty because they were people of significance. Your life is the same. The Apostle Paul at the end of his right wrote, life wrote, I finished my course. Bill, if you can come back, please. Having said that, he handed the ministry over to Timothy, walked to the executioner's block and was thereby relieved of his duties. Yet his impact is now is greater than ever. Your life, my life is changed by the writings of the Apostle Paul. But think about it. He was so committed to living a life of significance for God that even though he knew every place he went, he would be face the adversaries that, that, that uh, were spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15 there. That everywhere I go, there are adversaries. And Paul could have said, I've had enough. But most of his letters, his greatest letters of encouragement are written from prison cells. In fact, they said when Agabus came and prophesied to him, said Paul took his belt and tied himself up. If you go to Jerusalem, this is what will happen to you. Paul said, why do you break my heart? Why do you break my heart? Not only am I willing to go to Jerusalem, I'm willing to go and to die for the gospel. After the first of the year, if the Lord will allow me, I'm putting a series together on time and eternity. Based out of what God showed me when John Muncy was here. And this morning, here's what's happening. You're sitting in a moment right here where God, by His Spirit, is in our presence. But God's an eternal God. And you can't fit eternity into time except in a manifest form. So God comes into this space called time in manifestation. And he does something dynamic in his life. And any time I can agree with the, with the thought, if I can ever get this, eternity is trying to evade time. God's trying to manifest himself in this parenthetical space called time. He's trying to show up in this little, the, the eternal, uncontainable God is trying to express himself in this tiny little space. And this is what he says, the only way an uncontainable God can express himself in a confined space is through you. <laughs> God says the only thing in time that can contain me is what's made in my image. John chapter 1 verse 16. We have received his fullness. You are filled with the fullness of God. Our brains can't wrap that around. We, we, can't, we can't even get our minds around what God said. But all of God, an uncontainable God, is able to be contained in you. And if nothing else, that by itself qualifies you for a life of significance. Are you with me this morning? Think about it. Just think about it. Paul wrote and he says, he had designs on us for glorious living. What's a glorious living look like? I believe it's living with impact. A life is significant. I believe it's more than just making a living. I believe it's making a difference. Amen? Think about it. God's given you a gift. Believe in it. Discover it. Develop it. Cherish it. Use it. But most of all, give it away. Give it away. Watch what happens. That's significant living. Because too many people are still stuck in the place of waiting on God to move on their behalf. 
praying, believing, and waiting when the truth is they are already fully equipped and supplied by God through the Holy Spirit to make a difference in their world right now. You could make such an impact if you just believe in the significance that God sees in you. I can't help but see it, that man. Nobody, 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 nobody would have looked at that young man and seen any significance in his life. Everybody would have written him off hopeless, too far gone. But one encounter with the God who changes everything took a life that was discarded by humanity and changed it into a life of significance. How much more can God do through you? Glory to God. I'm, I'm getting excited myself. I'm going to buy this CD, play it all the way home. Amen. In Christ, you've been set free from being bound by your past, lost in your present, robbed of your future. Pastor, how do I begin to move? Just find someone. Tell them what great things God has done for you. I love when people say, well, do you think God still heals today? Absolutely. They say, well, well how can you be sure? I love taking off my coat and rolling up my sleeve and showing where God grew new skin on third-degree burns. I said, that's how I know. God grew new skin on my arm. I said, that's just one. I could go on. You want another one? And then they go, oh, yeah. Just start with one thing God has done for you. And the next thing, do you believe God could save you? Now I do. And you can lead somebody to the Lord. And there might be a whole region or a city in their life. Think about it. At the end of life, it's not what we bought that matters, but what we built. Think what started already. Black Friday is coming. You need to buy something else. You need more stuff. In fact, you can get it on 90 days, same as cash. No, it's not. You won't pay it off in 90 days. You'll be in debt. At the end of life, it's not what we bought that matters, but what we built. Not what we got, but what we shared. Not our competence, but our character. Not our success, but our significance. So live a life that matters. Live a life of significance. How? Love God and love man. Amen? So if one man, after one encounter with Christ, changed an entire region, what could you do if you chose to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in the life of significance? See, guys, your gifts are not about you. Leadership is not about you. Your purpose is not about you. A life of significance is about serving those who need your gifts, who need your leadership, and who need your purpose. I'm amazed by God. Because the goal in life is not to live forever. Today we're so consumed with living longer. Amen. Pastor Rick Godwin said like this. He said, live full, die empty. What a great thought. Live full of God and spend your life out to God. Live full, die empty. It's to create something. Don't live forever. 
Create something that will leave you, that will live after you're gone. That can only happen by living a life of significance. I was thinking about yesterday as I was mowing the lawn before it rained. 37 years ago this December, in a few weeks, December 13th, I gave my life to the Lord. For me to think or to see or to even comprehend that God would have planned or could have done anything through my life that He's done is beyond what I could do. Nobody would have looked at me walking in New Life Assembly that day and said, oh, one of these days, Nobody, the only person who sees that is God. And if I could help you get your focus off of the lie of the devil, if I could get you out of the tomb of this world and get you seated at the feet of Jesus in your right mind, you'd believe in the significance that God has for your life. I remember that day that he just took all the brokenness that I had. He took every, just every failure I had. All I had to do was this little stupid chair. Say, Jesus, I'll give you my life. And then if you just say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. And then you find yourself being asked by people, kind of like Paul, hey, could you come over here? Pastor, how many times? Oh, say, could you just, you, you just say, God, I'll, I'll just, and you just start walking while you're walking. Somebody said, could you come over here? Could, could you come over here? And, and you find yourself in places you never would have imagined. And you minister to somebody you don't know. I'll never forget in Indonesia. God said, I'm in Surabaya, Indonesia. It's crazy. I'm in Surabaya, Indonesia, preaching the gospel. And our host has a driver, a Muslim driver. Been driving for this man for years. He's had some of the greatest evangelists in our, in our generation hosted there and do citywide crusade. And the man has never gotten saved. And this ex-little drug addict, concrete finisher, goofy guy, shows up. And they have an office, they have real estate office. And every morning in the real estate office, they have devotions in their chapel. So he drove us there. They have 35 employees. We get them in the chapel. I preach on the Holy Ghost. Dear. And say, being filled with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and Annika, my, my little interpreter, his wife is with me. And we just knit in our spirit. And she's with me and everything I do she'd do because I'm animated I move on she's doing it she's with me 100% and I said if you're here and you're saved we pray for people to be saved and then we pray for people who well, maybe even filled with the Holy Spirit but you just need to reopen that well up a little bit so we pray for them first and I said now this is what we're going to do we're going to pray for everybody else in here to get baptized with the Holy Ghost I said, and you're all going to help me. So I said, all of you here and here who've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, come on up here, and, and we'll pray for you. And they start praying. People, people start being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking another tongue, falling out on the power. We're all on fire. And then these two little ladies go outside. There's a sliding glass door, and, and, the, and the chauffeur's sitting outside, minding his own business. <laughs> and these two little ladies open the side, go out, drag the guy in, and say, he needs to get saved. He's a Muslim. True story. 
bring the guy. He's a mud. And so, so you watch that. You're there, and they bring this guy in, and I go to lay hands on him. The power of God hits him, lays him out. His eyes roll back in his head. I said, oh, my God, he's dead. <laughs> and they're going, no, he's a Muslim. He's a Muslim. And I knelt down. And I go, be free. Be free. Be free in Jesus' name. And he goes, and he gets glorious filled. Save right there. You can't make that stuff up. But if you're just going to sit here and wait, if you don't believe that God has significance for your life, you'll never have a story. But who knows where you might find yourself in Surabaya, Indonesia. You have no idea. But until you surrender and say yes to God, your significance will remain stagnant. Bow your head with me.